Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Win Today podcast. My name is Ryan Cass, and I am your host. Our mission is to inspire people to win today by connecting with amazing leaders and sharing amazing stories. This is episode number 24 on season two, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Hala Taha. She is the founder and CEO of Yap Media, in addition to the host of the Young and Profiting podcast. She is very popular on LinkedIn, has been a LinkedIn influencer over the last few years and someone that I have enjoyed following and have drawn a lot of inspiration from. So Hala, it is an honor to have you here. Welcome to the Win Today podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. I have a new favorite question that I love to ask people. So you've had the opportunity to have your podcast listened to by millions of people all over the world. You were most recently on the cover of Podcast Magazine in 2021. Congratulations, by the way. You've interviewed some of the most well-renowned thought leaders in the world to include Ed Milet, Matthew McConaughey, Seth Godin. I can go on and on. Gretchen Rubin, Heather Monahan. You've got an amazing rap sheet. But what is something that is not on your resume or, or not on your bio that makes you really proud and why? That is not on my bio. Oh, yeah. good one. Not on my bio that makes me really proud. You know, it's not known that, you know, this is gonna this is so random, but it's like <laughs> I'm a fun person, right? Like if you if you didn't know me, you might think that I was really serious, that I never joked, that I was really mature. But I actually like love being silly and goofy and making my team laugh and just like making people in my life just have a little bit more fun and feel more lighthearted. And that's not something that you would read on my resume. You might think that I'm I am a workaholic. Right. But I still have like a lot of fun and I'm silly and goofy and I'm like a little immature. So <laughs> I'm proud of myself for that, for keeping for keeping it like fun. I love that because I love to ask that question to really dig down right off the bat and just see like who someone is at really just as a human, right? Because we both have the opportunity to interview some of the, so many amazing people. And yeah, you look at their rap sheet and even people tell me like, Ryan, you're, you mean you joke around? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, we're humans. And I think it's important to understand that component behind, about somebody. And it's not just all, it's not just all business. So curious because this I was asked to do this on a podcast because what I when I'm asked like hey what's something that people don't know about you I'm actually like class clown but looking behind me you know you see a bookshelf you see my goals board nothing indicates that yeah I went on a podcast and actually like I can do Grinch impersonations really well and I love doing movie impersonations like do you have any (laughs) (laughs) like when you say you're a jokester you know how is that? Like, do you have any one-liners you can drop for us? Or do you do voice impersonations? Like, what's your thing? <laughs> no, no voice impersonations. <laughs> it's just that, like, I know how to crack jokes. I know how to make fun of myself. I often will, like, kind of act, like, ditzy just to be funny. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's my thing. Like, I'll just say silly stuff, and like, that I know is wrong just to, like, make everyone laugh, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. So everyone listening, Hala is actually a human. <laughs> <laughs> You have an interesting story. You come from a family of doctors. My research serves me well. 
and very good. You chose a different path, and I want to understand. You know, walk us through your pathway, how you went down that different path from the rest of your family. Kind of what inspired that, and and really what you do now. Yeah. So from I from when I was little, I nobody ever like pressured to me to be a doctor because I was so different from everyone else from the start. In fact, I sang before I spoke. I thought I was going to be a famous singer. When I was younger, um, I would always be like performing for everyone. I was also like really adamant about working and got into sales really early. So when I was four years old, I started selling pictures at Sunday school, like and would force my cousins to like make pictures so I could sell them. And I was always like this little ringleader coming up with businesses. If somebody had a lemonade stand, I'd one up them with like a slushy stand. I would sell <laughs> and make bracelets when I was younger. Then finally, when I was 13, I was able to get a job and my parents were like these immigrant parents. My dad was a doctor and they were really against me working. All they cared about was we had to get A's in school and I would fight them to drive me to work. And since I was 13, I had a job at like a gift shop and then at retail stores. I worked at every store in the mall that you can think of. And looking back at it now, I, I haven't done sales, like a sales job in 10 years or more, but I do sales every day now and I crush. And I know it's because I used to work at the mall when I was younger, right? And so mm -hmm. like, I just love the fact that I was such a hustler. Like I really was always such a hustler and always wanted to make money and make a lot of money. Um, but in terms of like, when I knew that I was different from my siblings, I just never had the same interests. I, I was never an A plus student. Like only when I got my MBA and I was much older, I got a 4.0 and everything. But before then I was, I was like an average student in college. I could barely graduate. Like I had a terrible, terrible GPA. I think I graduated with like a 2.3 GPA. Like it was so bad and I'm not stupid. I just loved everything else. I loved mm -hmm. being a part of the sorority. I loved being in plays. I loved being a cheerleader. And I just was so involved in like experiences and not so much academics. And so, um, I would have never gotten into medical medical school, first of all. <laughs> and second of all, it just wasn't my personality. Like, I just, I'm not into blood. I'm not, it just wasn't my thing. I was just always such, like, a very outgoing person. And, like, you know, my dad, my siblings, they used to always be like, oh, you're going to be a newscaster. That's what everybody used to think I would be or, or you know, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how our youth experiences or our youth side hustles actually benefit us or can benefit us now in our adult lives. So you saying that you had your hustles and working at the mall. I remember my first job, my first official job, I worked at a theme park, uh, Carowinds, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And you know, in a theme park, how you've got those obnoxious people that you walk by a game and they say, Hey, come on down play the frog bog, $5, mm -hmm. you know, and you've got those massive teddy bears. That, yeah. that was me. Oh, you know, man, and, you're the teddy bear guy. <laughs> I was the teddy bear guy, you know, and, and and at 15 years old and wearing this stupid referee costume, but looking at it now, I'll get up and perform in front of anyone. And, yeah. and it made me not afraid. And then also we lived near a golf course. And I remember I would collect all the golf balls that people would hit near our backyard, clean them all, put them in egg cartons. And then I would go up to the driving range and, and sell the egg cartons yeah. and until they kicked me off and told me to go home, you know? And, and I thought, even having $50 at 13 years old, I was like, man, I'm rich. Like I just wanted to buy chocolate milk 
and then save a little bit of money. <laughs> <laughs> I love that egg carton story. Yeah, it's it's really cool to think about it. I always tell people, you know, the number one thing that you can do when you're young is just work and get experience. Even if you're getting minimum wage, even if you're working for free. I've worked for free so many times in my life and I don't regret it ever because mm -hmm. it's just these skills that you don't realize that you compound and then you can use them later on in different circumstances and different industries and you're at such an advantage um, and I and I feel that way with my siblings like you know when all you're doing is studying and then you go to med school a lot of my cousins who did the same thing siblings they end up having a really hard time once they're actually working because like they've never worked before and mm -hmm. so it's like so everything is so dramatic they're they're so tired they're, they feel so overworked and it's just because they're not used to working whereas for me I was like totally cool working 18 hours a day when I was you know working three jobs trying to get yap off the ground yeah yeah you have worked for free a lot my goodness like hot 97 and then in addition to that when you were at HP you were starting the was it young employee network right yeah oh, I love that you do so much research I I spend time no I'm like hey if I'm bringing people like you on board or anyone like it I'm going to conversation so much more fun like I'm hey, gonna yeah, yeah I'm gonna learn everything I possibly can about about that person you know like I call it, well, it's like acceptable stocking, I guess, right? I don't even know what you call it, but <laughs> but but you've worked for free a lot. Yeah. And and I want to get into into that path, you know, to where you are now. So you've got your um Yap Media, but talk about how uh that started and and that pathway. So this is after graduating from what NJIT, New Jersey Institute. Yep. Yep. So get into get into that and your your professional pathway because this is really where I want to hit on there's some fun moments in in your path here. Yeah, so when I was in college I interned I'll start at college. Okay. College I interned at Hot 97. I worked there for 3 years for free. Totally not a dollar. And I'm talking about I quit school, dropped out of school. I was doing bad anyway. And I worked there all day and then I worked at night for the DJs and I never got paid one dollar I lived with mm. my brother in his apartment and I just hustled at the radio station and so I did that for free for three years when I asked for a paying job because I was getting a lot of pressure from my family I started to feel like a failure and I just wanted to get paid minimum wage and have a normal job um, they fired me uh, Angie Martinez cut my key card she told me not to come back into work and they fired me and I was totally devastated. I went back to school and, you know, actually within the next four days, I had my next big bright idea. And that was to start strawberryblunt.com, the sorority of hip hop. I learned how to blog at Hot 87. I used to work for DJ Enough, who had a blog. That's enough.com. And I was running it for him. So I knew how to launch and run websites and blog sites. So I figured out how to, you know, create a WordPress website, code it, customize it, started to recruit girls, girls on Twitter and Craigslist, got 14 girls within two weeks, launched the sorority of hip hop. We blew up within the first three months. We were one of the most popular hip hop and entertainment sites in the world. And that's because I figured out how to hack Twitter. <laughs> I set up our blog articles so that every time we blogged, I would at like Wiz Khalifa or whatever and like, you know, all the girls who blogged for me at one point, it was 50 girls. They would tweet out to Wiz Khalifa at one time when the blog article came out automatically. And then people would retweet that. And we were the first blog that did that. Now all the blogs do that. We were the first blog that figured that out. And so we got viral really quick. 
MTV scouted us twice. They wanted us to shoot a pilot. The first pilot was really small. Nothing came out of it. It was like three months into it. The second pilot was at the end of Strawberry Blunt. And it, I was doing Strawberry Blunt for three years. We were hosting parties, concerts. We had online radio shows. I had 50 girls. Uh, we were pretty big in the tri-state area. And MTV wanted to shoot us. They told me, hey, Holla, this is real. You're going to be the star. They signed five other girls. We signed paperwork. Like They marched us into the MTV offices, and I felt like the coolest girl in the world. <laughs> they got us a studio on Broadway. They filmed us all summer. And then they pulled the plug two weeks before it was supposed to air. And I was like so devastated this was the second like punch in the gut when hot 97 fired me i thought my life was over like literally everybody knew me as holla from hot 97 all my college friends were like oh holla's the girl that works at hot 97 you know i was dating chris brown like i it was just like <laughs> my whole life was like you know like done i thought i was done right then i like reinvented myself with strawberry blunt this the djs who wouldn't pay me minimum wage were now hiring me to host their parties i got back in with everyone because i basically did it on my own and everyone was really impressed and i ended up getting all my connections back and started winning again then mtv drops me and honestly i should have kept going you know that like meme where like the guy's like like picking an axe and like going through dirt and he's like two inches away from gold and then he stops you know yeah, that meme that yeah, I'm talking? Yeah. like that was me and i stopped when i had strawberry blunt right like we were huge and mm -hmm. i was like i told the girls i was so devastated that we didn't get mtv we could have gotten oxygen or vh1 or some other show but i was like no if it's mtv i don't want anything and because this was right after jersey shore mtv was like the huge network and I just shut everything down. I just closed down everything. And I was like, forget it. I'm done with entertainment. I'm not going to be famous. This obviously wasn't meant for me. I'm just going to go get my MBA, call it a day, and, you know, go into corporate. Um, actually, before I went and got my MBA, I tried to, I thought that I was going to be a speech language pathologist. Actually, <laughs> oh, all, my, all my doctor family was basically like, you should just be a speech language pathologist. It's like three years, you'll make 80 grand. Like you'll, that's like, basically this is all you're ever going to amount to, or maybe become a physical therapist or they were like, all just like become like a non-doctor. That's like going to be a couple of years or whatever. And just do that. So I applied to 14 speech language pathology schools and I got rejected from every single one. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Thank freaking God. I yeah. got rejected from every single one. Then I was like, okay, I'm going to try to get my MBA. And I had a terrible undergrad GPA. I had a 2.3. I was so bad, but I had so many cool experiences. And so I remember I stalked my director of alumni at NGIT. She was the ex director of the alumni, sorry, director of graduate studies. And I stalked her. You know how you said acceptable stalking? I reached out to her on LinkedIn. I reached out to her on email. I invited her for a cup of coffee. Eventually, she took a meeting with me, and I told her my story, and she was very impressed with me. And she's like, Kala, I'll let you in this MBA program if you get a 4.0. Like, you have to get a 4.0. And that's, like, my one condition. And I was like, sure. And I did it. I got a 4.0. I graduated number one in my class. I took it super serious. Everybody hated me in my MBA because I was, like, that one annoying girl that, like, ruined everything because I always got, you know, 100% on everything. <laughs> and so um, I got my MBA at the same time. I got an internship at Hewlett Packard, an MBA internship, which set off my corporate career. They hired me. I got promoted several times. And like you said, uh, I took on this kind of side project within the company. Hewlett Packard at the time was a 300,000 
person company. It was like a country, basically. It's like so huge. And they had this thing called employee resource groups. And it allowed me to be a leader within the company. And they had something called the Young Employee Network. Um, they had chapters all around the world. I was in an office in New Jersey that had no chapter. So I launched it, became the president, worked for free as the president for two years, uh, created all the events for the office. They never had a summer picnic, company holiday party, no fundraisers. I basically launched all of that for them. Till this day, they're still doing those things that I set the groundwork for. And I ended up being on the Global Young Employee Network board. And then I was set to be the president of the Global Young Employee Network. And the HR director did not like me. She hated me for some reason. She And she gave it to somebody who had zero experience. So here I was, three years of free work again mm -hmm. for my company, HP. And then they didn't even keep me on the board. They kicked me out of the Young Employee Network, essentially. But the best part about that is that, again, I redirected my energy into something new, into something positive. And I decided, hey, if I can't be the voice of the 7,000 young employees at Hewlett Packard, why don't I do it for the rest of the world and start Young and Profiting Podcast? And that was how I started Young and Profiting Podcast. What a fun journey. You know, I was when I was doing my prep, just thinking about, I wrote down three words that I think describe your journey. And I see resilience, of course, confidence, because every time you've been knocked down, you've come back and believed in yourself. And then intentionality, just being very intentional about your path and taking those steps, you know, even going back to school and getting the 4.0 and showing that you can do it. You had to be very intentional every day to in order to accomplish that. So that's what I see kind of your journey summed up into three words. Now I want to hit on those rejections a little bit more. And you said something really awesome in another podcast interview, that rejection is just redirection. And I love that because I believe that with anything that happens to us, we have we have two choices. You either let it shape you or break you. Choose choose option number one. And any of these these moments, you know, I don't even call them failures. I just really call them learning blocks. And just that simple reframe when something negative comes up or when something doesn't go my way, I'm like, you know what? There's something that I'm going to learn at <clears throat> learn from on the other side. So I embrace it. Even though at the time, you know, it, it sucks. I know that something good's going to come from it. So with these learning blocks that you've had, what are, how have you allowed them to shape you, whether it's from the hot 97 or the HP, like what changed you after that happened, whether you adopted a certain rule or you put your guard up for certain types of people, like what, talk about that. Yeah, it's it's such a great question and I really appreciate like the thoughtfulness that you have in your questions and your progression of this interview. So, you know, with Hot 97, I was immature. And the biggest lesson that I learned from that rejection is actually that you should never write anything when you're mad. And this sounds like really, really small advice, but it's actually huge advice that you can take with you for the rest of your life. And you don't need to make such a major mistake. You know, I'm happy that everything happened the way that it turned out. Now I'm with the podcast princess. Who knows if I stayed at Hot 97, what would have happened to me? Or, you know, I'm really happy the way my journey turned out. But, you know, at the time I was devastated to lose my job and I had worked so hard up until that point to just get let go, you know, right away. And it was because I got emotional 
and I wrote stuff when I was mad and I didn't sleep on it. I didn't think about it. First of all, if you have something to communicate to a higher up or another employee, say it in person, you know, just say it face to face because people can read your emotions. If you're upset, they'll see that you're upset. They won't take everything so seriously because you look upset. But when you write something down, people can send it like, like I had sent a text to DJ Drewski, who's on the radio today who was my coworker who got the job that I wanted and they wanted me to train him for that job. So that's why I was pissed because I wasn't getting paid. They wanted me to train Drewski how to do the producer job that I was already doing for six months. And so I texted him, hey, Drew, I'm not feeling good today. If you want to learn how to be the producer, learn it on your own. And he sent, he showed that to Angie Martinez and I got fired. So mm. if I had just, you know, took a breather, if I had just, you know, said it in person, gave him a call, I don't know if all of this would have happened. So that's the big lesson I learned with the Hot 97. And then the other thing, like in hindsight, it's like every failure was really just an opportunity, Right. To get, you know, to be like the coveted intern at Hot 97 in the studio, Angie Martinez assistant at 19, that and and doing, you know, whether I got it in the, the job or not in the end, like that was a success. It's not normal for a 19 year old to, to become the assistant of, you know, the biggest radio personality in the world. That was an opportunity that I was given because I was talented. And it just happened to be that the end result wasn't exactly what I wanted, but that was still a success, right? And I learned so many skills. That was when I first lear like learned how to produce radio shows. I learned how to do research. I learned how to audio edit. I learned how to blog. I learned how to start doing social media. I learned how to like interact with people in a corporate environment, how to be on time, like how to hustle. So many different things, right? Just from mm -hmm. that one experience that was a yeah. failure. Now I use those skills every day still, right? Mm -hmm. When I was in the sorority of hip hop, I learned how to blog. I wrote a thousand blogs, you know? Seven years later, I'm the biggest influencer on LinkedIn. Why? Because I know how to write. Mm-hmm. I learned how to write. I, I learned how to write concise copy, and that's such an undervalued skill, right? And so even though MTV didn't pan out, even though I don't have the blog site anymore, I learned how to lead. I led 50 female bloggers who worked for free for me. Fast forward five, seven years later, I started a Young and Profiting podcast, and what happened again? I had a team of volunteers again, and I knew exactly how to treat them because right. I had done it already. Right? right same thing with uh, the the uh, young employee network you know i was running a team of volunteers i learned how to be a leader i learned how to run events all that stuff i'm still doing today it's just different industries slightly different you know people that i'm working with um and you can take these skills and they're transferable basically is what i'm trying to say all your experiences you get skills and they're transferable to the next opportunity. And whether you win or lose, it doesn't matter because it's the experience that matters in your journey. And eventually, you know, in my case, I started something on my own, right? And the other lesson that I learned in all of this is that the biggest failures in my life were always somebody else not giving me an opportunity. It was some brand that I wanted to be a part of. And it wasn't until I decided to start my own brand that I had full control and everything really flourished, right? So it's like Hot 97 rejected me. It was, you know, it was up to corporate to give me a job, not even Angie Martinez. They cut me loose because I was, you know, a threat because I was a, it's illegal to have somebody work for free for that long. So it's like, they were like, let's just cut our losses now on this girl. <laughs> and so like, you know, and, and it was a gatekeeper. Same thing with the Young Employee Network. It was a gatekeeper. When you have the skills, you can launch your own thing.
And so I stacked my skills and then I launched Young and Profiting, then Yap Media, and, I, and we're crushing out the gate. And it's just because it's been a long time coming. I didn't start learning as I you know, started these things. I already had the skills and just kept building onto them. Yeah, I love that. And to the, the first lesson that you learned, you know, not writing things when you're when you're angry, that just made me think of there's this book, Lincoln on leadership, and it talks about, you know, Abraham Lincoln's leadership style. I love studying leaders. And he used to write letters when he was angry, but then he would throw them away and it would yeah. make him feel better. And for me, you know, even I'm like, there's no way this works. But then sometimes, yeah, when I'm in the office, you know, when I'm in in my corporate nine to five, uh, there's times where these I'll send an email and I'm like, Duh. and then backspace. I'm like, this feels good. <laughs> I do that all the time. I do it all the time. So like, let's say I'm having an issue with a client and they're really pissing me off. I'll write exactly what I want to say and I'll send it to my business partner. And I'm like, just getting my fumes out. You know? <laughs> and then the next day I'll write the real email. Or if I'm reviewing like, uh, brand guidelines from my team or something. They're creating brand guidelines for a client. Sometimes I can give really rough feedback and it, especially when it's the first time we're giving feedback. And if you don't like something, you can come off nasty, you know, and I yeah. hate, I, I hate coming off nasty to people. So I'll record feedback and then I'll be like, okay, let me do it again and do it nicer. You know what I mean? Like it's just, if you just keep that mindset of c trying to just come across you know, in, a, in the most genuine, like giving your criticism if you have to give it, but in the best possible way, that's not going to rub people the wrong way. You're going to get really far because the worst thing that you can do is like burn your bridges and, and, you know, ruin your relationship. So be careful with your emotions. Long story short. Yes. Make sure nobody's on the two line or the CC line. I always, I'm so paranoid about that, but <laughs> <laughs> it still feels good. So even with text messages, sometimes I'll do that. You mentioned something really great. And I was going to get to this later, but it fits in now. You, you said that you, know, you started learning how to make websites and this was all while and, and all these other little things that you're, you're building up, how to lead people. And, and while you're doing that, you're building the confidence that, Hey, I can build a website. Okay. Hey, I can run a media company. I can lead people. You were doing this all while or HP and then Disney. And then it was Disney to Disney to Yap. Yeah. So with that, what I want you to talk about is kind of the process of building these skills little by little, because there's I know a lot of folks are listening and even myself included, you know, I'm still working full time at Boeing while building this podcast and while building two additional companies on the out on the side. And I didn't learn, I didn't know how to do a, a podcast on day one, but little by little. And my first podcast freaking sucked. I mean, it sucked like, <clears throat> but little by little, you know, learned how to edit, studied other podcasts, talked to other leaders, and then started feeling more and more confident. So talk through that skill building process, or I think as you call it a uh, talent stacking process and how people can really hone in on that. Even if they're in corporate looking to get out and do their, their own thing. Yeah, the, the thing with skill stacking is that it's personal, right? It's, it's your skills. 
So I think everybody has a set of skills that, that they have and not, not everybody is a marketer, for example. So you may not have video editing skills or graphic design skills like I had, but the first thing to do is just get experience. So hopefully you've had some experiences in your life and you can start to take an inventory of your skills. So maybe you worked in retail, so you've got some sales experience. Maybe, you know, now you work in HR, so you've got that experience. Maybe, you know, you're really good at, writing because you have a personal blog or you've written on social media or something like that. So take an inventory of your skills, whether you're paid for them or not is what I'm getting at, right? That's really important. And then start working on things that interest you. Like what lights you up? What doesn't feel like work? What makes you happy? What do you have fun doing? And lean into that and start working on it as a, a hobby, a passion project. I feel like that's a great way to, to level up your skills. The other thing that you can do if you want to learn something new is start interning for free. No matter what age you're at, you know, reach out to one of the people that you look up to and see if there's any way that you can help them or start to learn from them for free by interning for them. Uh, I think that's also a great way to acquire skills. Yeah, and no, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like a lot of folks that let's just, since we're on a podcast right now that may want to start a podcast, they may look at young and profiting. That's extremely well-renowned and top of the Apple charts. Like, well, man, it's going to, I'm never going to be at young, young and profiting's level or, you know, young and profiting has millions of downloads per month. I don't, I don't know how to get to that level, but that didn't happen for you on day one. You were just little by little making deposits in the bank. And yeah. another thing, I was reading this book recently, actually flying back from New York City this past weekend. It's called The 12-Week Year, and it talks about approaching your goals in really by quarters. So in 12 weeks instead of 12 months, so you can really spark even more progress throughout the year. And it talks about greatness in there. And there's this really awesome thing that, that just stuck with me, that greatness, like Young and Profiting, great podcast. And it's great, top of the charts. But Young and Profiting didn't become great after that interview with Ed Milet. Or Young and Profiting didn't become great after that interview with Jeff Spencer that just came out. It became great over the course of making those deposits and then stacking those wins. And that's what I want people to understand, which you did a great job covering. It's just little by little, you'll get there. Jeff Spencer, your most recent podcast in or one of your most recent episodes didn't become great when he won the Olympic gold medal. He became great by waking up every day and making those deposits in the bank, hitting those tough workouts, all those little things. So people, it's just a matter of building, 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 learn little by little fail. Rejection is redirection and you really can do anything in this life. I think you summarized it so beautifully and I did want to like touch on what you said because it's so true and and I think your journey can accelerate if you made a lot of deposits before you started like your next big thing. So for example, I started Young and Profiting podcast four years ago and now I'm as big as podcasters who started 12 years ago and bigger than people who started like even when podcasting first came out, like I've, I've leaped over people, but why? Because when I started young and profiting podcast, it was actually my fifth show. I had, yeah. you know, four or five other shows before that. So it wasn't my first rodeo, right? I already had, you know, experience with social media. I knew how to market the show, not just produce it. Right. I knew how to do the research and had all the experience there. And so 
you can actually pile up your talents and then figure out what is your unique service or value that you can offer to the world. And when you do launch something, because you do have so many like well-rounded skills that all work well together, you can accelerate much faster than somebody who's starting everything from scratch, right? You were just saying you started podcasting with a very low foundation of skills, right? So that might mean that you might not like, you're going to be very successful. Obviously you're doing an amazing job, but, but I'm trying to illustrate that like, maybe you're not going to be as big as yap within four years, but you have to remember that I had a, a very strong podcasting foundation when I started. So I didn't have to learn the audio editing stuff. I didn't have to learn the research part. I got to focus on the growth. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the, I just think that's such a special thing that people don't realize. They don't realize like how much their skills can pay off later on when they do want to launch something on their own and those skills are very beneficial to that project. Absolutely. Dropping an awesome line there for, I like to clip up a few 30 second pieces just to show like, Hey, you really want to tune into this episode, but if you only watch this 30 seconds right here, you're going to gain a lot. (laughs) So there's one right there. They've dropped a few. Let me tell you about my new favorite product that has become a staple in my routine and a staple in my refrigerator. That is Magic Mind. This episode is sponsored by Magic Mind and I absolutely love this product. It is something that helps me optimize my performance, increase productivity, and most importantly in my book, reduce stress. This two ounce dose of motivation as noted by Forbes is something that I take first thing in the morning before tackling my most difficult tasks. And what it does is it puts me into a flow state where I really feel calm, in control, and in the zone. I'm able to maintain this flow state from the morning all the way until the late stages of the afternoon when I previously found myself struggling the most. I love Magic Mind because of the mix of ingredients that are in it that help increase your focus and attention, including L-theanine. And in addition, my favorite ingredient, ashwagandha, which works to decrease stress and low-grade anxiety by lowering your cortisol levels. So if you're someone that is looking to increase your productivity, get into a flow state, get into the zone without drinking tons of coffee that's going to make you crash later. If you're someone that really wants to reduce stress as well, Magic Mind is the product and is your dose of magic to give you all of those things. If you want to give this product a test, then use the code WINTODAY. Visit magicmind.co slash Win today, and for the next 10 days, that is going to give you 40% off of a subscription in addition to 20% off of a one time purchase. So, increase your productivity, get into a flow state, reduce your stress, go to the next level. Check out Magic Mind, magicmind.co slash win today. This will also be available in the show notes. I want to break down success and I'm curious I'm so curious from your view you know you've had the opportunity to as I mentioned before 
interview some of the brightest minds in the world, the, the Ed Milets, the Gretchen Rubens, the Seth Godins, Matthew McConaughey. And one thing that, again, I'm fascinated with what makes people successful. And, and I always think it really boils down to a few key traits. Like, you know, right behind me, you see, I've got my goal board. That's something that I started writing down my goals 11 years ago. So my, my freshman year of college, I went to a, a military college here in Charleston, the Citadel. Uh, reason being, um, opposite to you, my high school GPA freaking sucked. So that's why I went to a military college to get, <laughs> to get my act together. And, and that changed my life. But I started researching, you know, why is Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins? Why is Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan can go on and on Richard Branson. And one thing I found that they all have a, one common attribute is that they all write their goals down. I was like, Hmm, if that works for them, you know, anyone can do that, right? Not everybody can go play for the bulls like Michael Jordan, right? Maybe not everyone has that skill, but everyone can write down their goals and be intentional. So for you interviewing some of the brightest minds in the world and people that everyone knows about, what do you think are the key traits in some of the most successful people in the world? And having spoken with many of them directly. Mm, good question. So they know how to manage their emotions. Like we were just talking about a lot of people, especially like in the last year since COVID, a lot of people have been talking about managing the highs and the lows. So mm. not getting too cocky when you're winning and like feeling like, like arrogant and also not beating yourself up when things get low, especially in this game of entrepreneurship, because there is highs and lows. So understanding how to be like an even keeled leader, I feel like that's like a key theme that keeps coming up over and over again. Also making sure that whatever your life's project is, is aligned to some sort of greater good. This idea of conscious business, like more and more like, Money doesn't matter after a certain point, right? As, like once you make six figures, you know, millions of dollars, there's almost so much you can buy. And then like you just want impact, right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like aligning what you do and what you love and what your career is and how you make money with something that does good for the world is going to help you so much. Because once you do hit some of these monetary milestones, you'll still have the drive to keep going and making an impact because it's bigger than just, you know, financial gain. So I think aligning what you do to a, a bigger cause. Also, I, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this before, but believing that life is limitless, right? So I think that's, that's really key. Like really thinking that anything is possible. If you're the one who's limiting yourself, you're just putting so many ceilings on yourself. And mm -hmm. so part of, you know, being confident, winning is doing the internal work that you need to do to let go of negative self-talk, to have positive beliefs in yourself, to be able to vision and truly believe that you can actually do extraordinary things, right? Um, too many people just, you know, put the cap on themselves for no reason. Um, and they don't take the action required to show themselves that they can actually achieve anything they want to achieve. They don't keep the promises to themselves. Ed Milet came on my show and I asked him what his definition of self-confidence was. And he said, self-confidence is keeping the promises 
that you make with yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's so true. If you keep the promises that you make to yourself, if you say you're going to do something and you go do those things, you build confidence and then you just keep going and going and going, right? And I just think uh-huh. a lot of people lack self-confidence. They, 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 can't, they aren't accountable to themselves. Um, and I, I think the successful people that I interview are very, very accountable to themselves. Mm-hmm. Amen to all of that. One thing that really stuck out was impact. I'm a firm believer, or at least what I what I tell people is that the what I focus on is is creating the best accomplishment in my book is creating an impact in someone else's life. So going back to the first question I asked you, like, hey, what's what's something that's not in your bio that you're really proud of? And and I think about you know, flipping that to, to me, it's like, Hey, you're never going to see my greatest accomplishment because it's my greatest accomplishment is getting that phone call from somebody saying, Hey, I just made a goals board after our conversation and it's changed my life or it's revamped my marriage or whatever the case may be. I ran a marathon for the first time or went on, went on a run for the first time. How about that? You know, I, I love running. But the impact that, that we create in others' lives, because you never know what the effect of that is going to be. You know, I, I do believe that you really can. You want to change the world, help one person, because you never know what that other person's going to do. Yeah. We don't know how many people are going to take a different action as a result of this podcast and once it gets published, right? And that's 100%. something that just juices me up. So going on the vision piece... And, and self-confidence. Yeah, I love that too, that self-confidence comes as a result of really keeping your commitments, you know, don't talk about it, be about it. But that visionary piece, you know, what does that, what does that look like for you and your, your future? Like if we're looking ahead five years from now, what are you seeing and what makes you believe that that's going to happen? Yeah. So five years from now, I anticipate to be the biggest female podcaster in the world, probably sooner than that. Honestly, I think in the next two, three years, I'll be Mm -hmm. the biggest female podcaster in the world. I'm glad that you asked me five years from now, because when people ask me, like, what's the end goal? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm concentrated on now. Like, I'm a very much so like present time person. And yeah, of course, I've got a plan kind of in the future have a general idea but I don't like to set things in stone I like to go with the flow and so for me I want to be the biggest female podcaster I want to launch a book I'm going to do more speaking engagements I anticipate myself you know flying around the world I think I'm going to get into politics I'm Palestinian American and I'm I'm a minority woman I anticipate that my company is going to keep growing I'm about to sign a really big deal for my podcast network which I can't discuss the details yet but I'm so excited and so it's like I know like financially I'm going to be in a really good spot next year, the year after that. And then who knows, I might want to just give back and, and, you know, support human rights and things like that. And, and I'm always going to be a podcaster, but in terms of like being a businesswoman, I might switch around and, and be more into politics and things like that later on. So you want to be the biggest podcaster or you're going to be the biggest podcaster? I'm going to be the biggest female <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> and the, oh. I'm the podcast princess too. So eventually I'm going to have to graduate to the podcast queen. And I can imagine a lot of headlines saying the podcast queen and her media empire, <laughs> <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> With all of that, you know, you, you attribute, I've listened to some of your, again, good bit of your interviews uh, with other, with other folks and then on your podcast as well. And you make, 
a fair amount of reference to the law of attraction mm. and and manifesting. So talk about because that's what I'm hearing come out as you're saying these things. Yeah. And so so talk about that and how that plays a role in your life and why that could be important for someone else to incorporate into their life as well. Because I haven't really talked about law of attraction much on on the podcast, but I'm a big believer in it, but would love to hear from a champion of it. Yeah, 100%. And there's actually science that backs this up. So I had John Astaroff, John Astaroff on the show and Ed Milet both talked about this thing called the reticular activating system or the yes. RAS system. This is a part of your brain. And basically, when you do things like affirmations and you repeat things over and over and over again, you're basically training your subconscious mind to start looking for things that it used to not be able to see. So for example... If you are in the market to buy a red car when you're on the highway, you're going to start seeing red cars all the time because your brain is being trained to look for red cars. So if I'm thinking I'm going to be the biggest female podcaster in the world, my brain is going to look for opportunities to help me achieve that goal, even without me subconsciously thinking about it. Mm. So law of attraction to me is, I feel like one of the reasons why I'm successful today is because when I was 19, I found the law of attraction and I am born Muslim and I actually was never connected to my religion. I was never religious. My family never forced me into it. I never aligned to it. And when I, and I was, when I was 19, I was like looking for religion basically. And I, I landed on law of attraction and I got like obsessed with it. Right. I used to read these books by Abraham and Esther Hicks. They had these CDs on tape. I would listen to them over and over again. And I basically like brainwashed myself to truly believe this. That's when I got the internship at Hot 97. I was like dating celebrities and I launched Strawberry Blonde. I got a freaking show on MTV at 24 years old, like crush, 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 crush. You know what I mean? And then I had so many rejections that I was like, didn't believe in it for a, a period of time. The four years that I worked at Hewlett Packard, I swear to God, I didn't believe in the law of attraction. My life was stagnant. <laughs> I got promoted, but it was like, wasn't it was like an ordinary life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I went from being like this extraordinary girl that was doing extraordinary things to like living an ordinary life because I started putting limits on myself. I started mm -hmm. not believing that. I, I literally told myself, this is not possible. I was living a fantasy. I need to go back to being normal, right? And thank God something snapped into me and it was a slow process to get back into it. But when I launched Young and Profiting, I started to interview people and then I got back to my roots of the law of attraction because I started to interview people like John Asaraf and realized that all these other people believe that life is limitless and they're so much more successful than me. I better get back onto that positive mindset. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so anyway, the way that you do it is like you just believe in, in what you want. You repeat it over and over again. You say it with enthusiasm. I have an awesome episode with Marissa Peer. You say it with emotion, enthusiasm. You give it color. You give it a, like you give it light. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you you just have a clear goal in mind, and you just think about it and say it over and over again. And then, like I said, you start to see opportunities that will come about. So for me, I always say, literally, I'm, I'm going to be the number one female podcaster. And I say that over and over again, right? When I when I had Young and Profiting Podcast, at one point, it's like, I want to be the number one education podcast. I got that goal already. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I want to be the top LinkedIn influencer. I got that goal. So right now, my goal is I want to be the number one female podcaster in the world, hands down, period. 
Can't wait to see it. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. And and I love that, you know, there's so much and this is science, but then there's so much to that to say about the conversations that we have with ourselves. And you know, when I tell people even like I'm a big runner. I love running. I love I qualified for the Boston Marathon this year and it was a five-year journey. But when I tell people, you know, yeah, you know, I had to I had to run a sub three-hour marathon, and someone says, Oh man, I could never do that. Or you know, hey, you have a million pot, a million plus podcast downloads. Like if I said, oh man, Holla, I could never do that. I hope your response would be, well, yeah, you can't. You know why? Because you said you can't. It's not that I can't. It's just, I tell people like, yeah, you know what? You probably can't run a sub three hour marathon talking like that. You know, you got to have positive talk with yourself and, yeah. and it's, and it's simple. You know, and I want more people to understand that. So I love that you broke it down. And, and I want to just add something there because it's not enough to just think and hope and wish and dream, right? Mm-hmm. There's something called the law of Goya. Get off your ass. You got to get off Melt, your David ass. Meltzer. David Meltzer. And you, you got to just go after it and do the work and take those little actions. And by the way, you need to be curious and learn and stack those skills like we've been talking about. All those things are going to get you to their go- to your goal. It's not going to just happen by trying to manifest it. You actually mm-hmm. need to go out and act on the opportunities that your brain is pinging you because you've put this desire out in the world, right? The universe will bring it to you, but it's up to you to like catch it and take that opportunity and take the action needed and put in the hard, hard, hard work. Anybody that I know that two years ago, they were as big as me. Now they don't even podcast anymore. (sighs) And it's because they got there so quickly, they didn't earn it. I had like 10 years of like foundation under me. They got lucky and they did not last. You know what I mean? They crumbled under any sort of pressure and they fizzled out, right? So it's like you need that foundation too. And it's like, and if you do get lucky, you get lucky. But remember, it's like hard work is what's going to sustain you. Absolutely. And I like to tell people, you know, if you want something, go and get it. And what that means is go take the action, believe you can do it. But at the end of the day, go, you know, wake up early, go study, go do all these things, but you got to do the work. There's no way around that. You know, you can't wish your way into being the biggest female podcaster in the world. You got to (laughs) keep putting in the work. Sorry, but you can't wish your way into it. You know that. 100%. (laughs) So one thing I love to, to end with Hala, I love having fun. I call it my, my rapid fire session. And the way I do it is pretend that we're going up the going up an elevator in a building in New York City. Well, buildings in New York, I mean, you could be on an elevator for a pretty long time. So we'll go here in Charleston, South Carolina, since there are no building. Buildings are actually not allowed to be taller than the church steeples. So uh-huh. our elevator rides are a little short. So someone comes into an elevator and they recognize you because they listen to Young and Profiting. Like, oh my God, how? Like, what's one book that I should read to really amplify my personal development journey? And you only have one floor to answer this question. I would say The Like Switch by Dr. Jack Schaefer. That is one of my favorite books. He was actually my first guest on Young and Profiting Podcast. He's been on like three or four times since. He Mm -hmm. is a former FBI agent and human behavior expert. And he teaches you in that book how to land your, you know, best first impressions, how to get people to like you, how to make new friends, how to turn your enemies into your friends. And it's just this like kind of newer version of how to win. uh, What is that book? How to win people, how to win and influence people. Oh, win friends and influence people. Yeah, Yeah, how to win friends and influence people. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like a newer version of that, and it's called The Like Switch. I'm obsessed with this book. I've listened to it on Audible maybe 20 times. I haven't heard that one, so it's I'll link so that good. in the show notes. That's awesome. Now, you like to ask this as your closing question, so I'm not going to ask it as my closing, but it is a fun question, and I've never asked anyone this. What's the secret to profiting in life? The secret to profiting in life is to believe that life is limitless, and to whenever somebody says no to you and you're getting rejected, to realize that there's probably a gatekeeper in your way and to figure out how to do that thing on your own and create your own path and create your own lane. So mm. instead of knocking on a million doors, instead of waiting for somebody to say yes, instead of blaming other people for your problems and for why you're not getting what you want, it's 2022, chances are you could probably do it on your own. It might take a little bit more work. It might take a little bit more time. It might require you to stop watching TV, to start a side hustle, to you know delay gratification for a little bit. But chances are, whatever you want, you can start it on your own. And it might not be the exact outcome that you wanted, but it's the impact that you wanted on the world. And so I would say that that would be my top secret when it Love comes to that. in life. So Young and Profiting, as it continues its journey, who is one dream podcast guest that you have not had on yet, but would love to have on tomorrow or that we will see on in the future? Gary Vaynerchuk, man. He's been on so many podcasts smaller than mine, but the man always tells me no. And I'm such a huge Gary V fan. I don't know if he thinks Yap Media is a competitor or whatever it is, but he never says yes to me. And Damn, I want Gary Vee on the show. I want Damon John on the show. I want Mark Cuban on the show. I There's so many people, like CEOs. I want all the sharks, really. You need Heather to get Gary on there for you. Isn't Heather oh, one of your every, mentors? I, yeah, I've had maybe five people introduce us, and he just always rejects it. I don't know why. <laughs> Keep going. We'll see it. It'll happen. <laughs> one day. <laughs> and... Last one. This was something that you asked Jeff Spencer, and I love that interview. You asked him about legacy. And what do you want your legacy to be with everything you do between just actually take away young and profiting? Just what do you want Hala's legacy to be in this world? Yeah, I hope that I inspire other people to go after their dreams, no matter what age they are. And I hope I inspire, especially young females, young minority females, that they can be a boss, they can be a leader, they can have a team, they can make huge impact. Um, even just the way that I look, you know, I meet new people. I'm a very petite, girly girl. And most people think like, I probably have some normal job. Like if they don't know anything about me and then I start talking about like, oh, I have a podcast. I have a, you know, an agency with 60 people that work for me. I've got a podcast network. I'm making millions of dollars a year. People can't believe it. They're like, you? Really? Like, you know, like if they don't know anything about me and I'm like, yeah, just Google me. Like, you know, like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but like. Flex, yeah. <laughs> and I just, I feel like I want to inspire other people to know that they can do the same. You do not, like, most CEOs and powerful people, they all look the same. They're white men. And in fact, a lot of them are the people that I interview on my podcast because those are the people that make it, mm -hmm. you know, but I want to change that. And I hope that I, I, I hope that I help to change that. Well, you've inspired me and I know that you're going to inspire people that are listening. How do people keep up with 
your journey? And is there anything that you have coming up that you really want people to know about? Well, the number one way, if you want to, you know, keep learning from me is to check out the podcast, Young and Profiting. You guys can find it on every major podcast player. I interview the brightest minds in the world. Like you said, Matthew McConaughey, Seth Godin, Chris Voss, Dave Asprey, Ed Milet, you name it. I feel like everybody comes on my show. We have a great time. I do lots of great research, just like Ryan. Ryan, I did want to like just congratulate you. You were one of the best interviews I've had Aww. all year. I'm going to replay this on my podcast, so I'll reach out to you about that. You did a fantastic job, and I hope that that helps you out. And I could tell you're going to be very successful, so you should be super proud of yourself like honestly I want to give you a hug because I know I know it's not easy and I get interviewed (laughs) all the time and like you knew things that most people don't and I want to reward you Uh, so yeah you guys can find me on Young and Profiting Podcast and I hope you guys check that out oh man thank you so much wow you just (laughs) got my heart pounding right now thank you Holly I appreciate it and I just want to make sure I'm doing my due diligence and and really just paying the paying the respect to, to even having you on here so thank you so much and folks keep up with Paula on her journey to becoming the number one female podcaster in the world and win today thanks so much for tuning in Three,